And then several years ago, we were living in a house on Sandpiper. It was a two-story house. And we loved, I loved that house. And it was a God-given thing to us. And we, uh, on the, the uh, ductwork in the second floor in the attic had six feet of black mold in it that I did not know about. And so for two years, we slept directly under the vent that was full of black mold. And we didn't know, it didn't get caught in the inspection somehow. And I didn't realize it was there. Actually, it was Brad McClendon that got the, the word of knowledge from the Lord that there was black mold there. And so uh, we had it checked out, and sure enough, there was. And that year, in 2016, was an extremely difficult year for Amber and I. It was the hardest year, really, of our lives until probably the last month. I mean, that was pretty hard, you know, di- different. I mean, it was, a, it was the biggest tragedy we'd ever been through. But in 2016, I got really sick. When we moved into that house, I just got sicker and sicker and sicker to the point where every year... I would have to go on antibiotics or prednisone, a steroid. It's about once a year. Um, and what happens is, is this type of asthma is triggered by allergies. It's triggered by something in the environment, something that I get around. There's all different types of things that could get in my lungs and make me wheezy and make me not be able to breathe well. And if my oxygen level stays down for a period of time and I'm, I'm wheezy and I it stays that way for a while, I start to develop, I start to get sick. I get body aches, and I start to feel like basically I'm moving the direction of very early onset pneumonia, all right? And so uh, (coughs) that's what I started to feel two weeks ago. Well, living in this house, it progressively got worse to the point of me getting really sick. And in 2016... In August of 2016, which next month will now be four years, uh, Amber and I lost a child at 32 weeks. Eden Grace is in heaven waiting for us to get there and uh, enjoying Jesus to the fullest capacity. And so we lost a child, and then right after that, I got pneumonias back-to-back and was hospitalized three times. And then, while I was in the hospital, my mom died. It was horrible. It was a horrible year for us. But God, through it all, was there, and God did a lot, and there's testimonies and stories, and we wound up coming out so much stronger. It's, it's, it, there's no Debbie Downer about it. It was all Jesus being with us and walking us through it and helping us, and it was tragic, and it was hard. And then... Uh, we discovered the black mold, and thank God we have an AC guy here that I love, who's my friend, came and did changed all the ductwork in the in the attic for me, at like cost. I mean, it was a total God thing. Changed all the ductwork, the return vents. We put two giant, you know, uh, UVC lights in there and burned everything up. I mean, we got like aggressive with it, and um, but still, it had some some lasting effects on me. It seemed to have made me more vulnerable than I was before to things. And uh, so then, to top it all off, a year later to the day, almost that we lost Eden by a day, 
or maybe to the day, Hurricane Harvey hit and wiped out our coffee shop in Port Aransas. And then it snowed. You might remember the snow of 2017. And God showed me it was his grace and mercy and redemption and his love in the midst of all things, that he restores all things, and that where your sins were as scarlet in his love and mercy, he makes them white as snow, and that he loves our city, and he cares for us, and that there was a promise. That snowfall was a promise from God that I'll never, ever, ever forget. It was incredible, right? And so uh, with the Saharan dust that was hitting here, and we have land and chicken coops with lots of chicken poop, lots of chicken poop. We have 27 chickens, if you didn't know, and 15 quail, huh? Yeah, there's more donkey poop. And now we let the donkeys walk all around our yard, so now the poop's really everywhere. And uh, so I started to develop some wheezing, and then as the five or six days went by, it progressively got worse. And I told all this, a lot of this story yesterday. I'm not going to tell the whole story. I'm going to lead you to one part of it because many of you didn't hear that from yesterday. And so uh, it progressively got worse to the point where on Saturday, uh, eight days ago, I developed a 99.5 degree fever. And so I, I know that feeling. Of course, in the midst of COVID, it was pretty freaky because m- my situation coupled with COVID is not a good mix, Right? And I have zero fear about it. It drives Amber completely nuts. But I listen to her. I'm listening to her more. We're navigating through conversations and talking, right? And, uh, and I am going to say something about this mask, by the way, here in a second. And so uh, I quickly got on a Z-Pack and some prednisone. I felt a million times better overnight. And then the next night, I also began to develop a little fever which took a couple aspirin, it went away. And I just so happened, by the grace of God, last year, on that Monday of this week, I had scheduled a physical with my doctor. Man, it was a total God thing, right? Because you, I wouldn't even have been able to get into the doctor had I not first gone and get, gotten a COVID test. But they do COVID tests there. But if you have any symptoms, you can't get in to get a COVID test, Right? at my doctor's office because it's a, cl- it's a different type of clinic, you know. And so uh, I went and saw my doctor, and he did chest x-rays, and he, he checked me out, and he checked all my blood work, and they still did, they did a COVID test, which, by the way, the results have not come in, okay? Uh, so we are now on the, s- let's see, sixth day since I took the COVID test, which, side note, I went and did a rapid COVID test on Thursday, which came out negative, Come on, let's praise the Lord right there. Let's praise the Lord. And even my doctor said, he said, listen, I know you well enough. I've been taking care of you for years. He says, I'm 90% sure this is respiratory, not COVID. Okay? He said, but I'm going to test you anyway. But just know it's going to take a long time. And so uh, he pumped me up with two shots of additional steroids, which I was already on prednisone, which lit me up, like lit me up. I mean... I have never been so lit up, never been. I mean, I can't overly remember my days back when I was doing cocaine, but it felt like that times 100, okay? No, I'm not kidding. I had a brief glimpse of those days of, wow, 
this, this vaguely feels like then, you know. <laughs> By the way, I'm just going to let you all know, I just really don't care a whole lot about how vulnerable I am. It's, and you just need to prepare yourself because I'm in massive discovery and being flipped upside down. And it, it's, it, I am completely changed. I mean completely changed. And it's not stopping. It, this, is, this is a full-scale, life-changing encounter that I've had with God. It was been an encounter with love. I encountered love like I've never encountered it. And I thought I really knew it, but I didn't. And most of us don't really know, and I've preached it a thousand times. I've preached it so many times. And I know God was still pleased with it. But it's only because of God's kindness and mercy that he comes to us to show us more of how great his love is and how little we really know. How little we really know. I can love so much better. We can love so much better. I have been... I have not loved you well. I have not loved you well, Jennifer, and I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. God showed me I didn't even love you very well. But I want to. I need some tissues. I already went through half a box last service. Listen, there's no shame. It's in God's love that he comes to show you your shortcomings and your inadequacies. And so, uh, <clears throat> something happened to me that night. Of course, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I mean, I was like, my heart rate was like 150 beats a second per minute, I mean. <laughs> that would be, I would have died if it was that. I totally would have died, right? Um, I want to pause for a second. I just want to say something about these masks, okay? Uh, I'm going to tell you what I think about these masks. I really like this mask. I think it's really cool. I, I had one I liked even better until Jesus told me to give it to Reuben. I already knew. Reuben goes, man, I like that mask. I, I said, don't say that. In my mind, I'm, don't tell me how much you like that mask. He's like, bro, that is. I'm like, okay, here you go. <laughs> and he's like, no, man. I'm like, don't make me fight you right here, okay? I said, take it up with Jesus. Who cares? You know why? Because love gives everything away. I always wondered how the disciples in the early church made sure that no one lacked anything and that they had all things in common. And that they would sell all their possessions and give it away. I want to love like that. But I don't know how to. But Jesus does. 
I want to know that kind of love. Oh, anyway, back to this mask. So uh, I, uh, I'm going to tell you what I think, and I'm going to tell you what Jesus says, okay? I don't like the mask. Who likes the mask, anyway? I, mean, I don't like the mask. I actually don't really think they work, personally. That's what I think. But it doesn't matter what I think. And I'm not going to tell you what to think. I'm only going to tell you what Jesus is telling me. And I also want to tell you that the government can't tell you what to think because we're not of this world, we're of the kingdom. So stop letting the government tell you what to think and start listening to what Jesus tells you. So when it comes to the mask, you need to do what Jesus tells you. I don't care. If you don't wear a mask, I'm not thinking to myself, what's the matter with you? Why aren't you wearing a mask? And if I'm wearing the mask and I'm talking with you and you're not wearing a mask, I'm not thinking about why you're not wearing a mask. I don't care because I love you. And whether you do or you don't, what I want you to do is to do what Jesus tells you to do. But now I'm going to tell you what Jesus told me. Maybe he'll tell you the same. Maybe he won't. But what the Lord told me was that this mask isn't about me. Because people are in fear and torment. And people do not have the hope that I have. And people are afraid of me or people that don't have masks on. So for me, I wear my mask when I come in. Not because I have to protect myself, though Amber wants me to because she worries for me. And we've na we're navigating through that. And she thinks that's the right, smart, practical thing. But Jesus told me that I'm to do it because it sets an example. And it also helps the people listen to me. There are people that are being terrorized in fear that I need to bring comfort and hope and life to. I don't think the mask works for what they say it works for. But if it works to bring comfort to somebody else, it's not about me because I love them and I want, to sh I want them to feel safe around me. Listen to me. I want them to feel safe around me. That's what Jesus told me. I had to hear from the Lord myself. Okay? Now, if you can't wear it because it, this, I already have decreased oxygen levels so that you know. I have a pulse ox. I hover consistently around 94 to 95 without the mask, okay? So I get it, and I get all the touching it, and they, don't, and they can make it worse, and the oxygen breathing back, your, you know, the CO2, the, all, the carbon dioxide, and this. And I've seen all the reports, and the whole world is completely split over mass, and everybody's in opposition to each other and in the church's opposition to each other. So what I want to say to you is the church should not be in opposition to each other, Okay? If you don't wear, wear the mask, I, I want to ask you to not wear it because you feel like the Lord is telling you not to wear it, not because of your own personal opinions. What does Jesus want you to do? Because that's another level of a way to live. It doesn't bother me anymore. It did. And I was rebellious. That's what the Lord showed me. And you know what? There'll be times I'll pull it down and smile at you. And there will be times I'll put it up. And there'll be times I'll take it off. And there'll be times that I wear it. Because I'm not being legalistic about it. I want to be spirit-led in it. Because I actually don't believe that I'm wearing it for me. 
I'm just being honest with you. I might be wrong. I'll confess it to my wife, to you. I may be completely wrong. They may actually do everything they say that it does. You understand? I might be wrong. But I'm really, not, I'm really wearing it because I realize that people are terrified. And the last thing I want them to do is to be scared of me. You see, when you see through Jesus' eyes, it changes everything. God can still move through a mask. It's an anointing. It's a presence. It's love through a mask, if that's what it takes. And I want to reiterate, we're not controlled by the government. We're controlled by Jesus. Okay? We're not sheep. I've said this before. We're not sheep to the world. We're sheep to Jesus. All right? Okay. Back to last Monday night. So, I, I um, could not sleep, and I went out into the living room, and I... Uh, Actually, the night before, Sunday night a week ago, I went to bed and I woke up in the middle of the night with a slight fever and I started trembling and I started shaking. I started getting body aches and, of course, everything crashed in me with COVID and it coupled with pneumonia. And the spirit of death came, which he's, the spirit of death come before. I talked all about this yesterday. You're going to get the full thing if you listen to it yesterday. I'm just touching on it today. Spirit of death comes, fear, terror, shaking through the night, couldn't get past it, go to the doctor, get, get seen, get tested. That night, I can't sleep. I go out into the living room. I sit on the couch. I start trembling and shaking in fear again. I get very cold to, my tut, to the touch. I'm, I'm freezing cold in the room. I start thinking about all the same things I was thinking about the night before, Sheer terror and fear comes into my life. I start trembling. I start quaking. I'm like seriously just, just sitting there shaking. And then all of a sudden, something happened that's never happened to me before. And I've had similar things happen to me before. The Lord many times has come to my aid. Many times has come and rescued me out of hardship. Many times has come and got pulled me out of a difficult situation. But this time was different. This time was totally different. Because this time the Lord came in and it's like he put both his hands on my head and he put me in a jail cell. Like he took me captive. He took my mind captive. He, he took me prisoner is the best way I could say. In that moment he took me prisoner. And he began to lead me on a journey starting with word pictures. I didn't share this yesterday. I didn't even tell Amber this. I started hearing God talk to me. I started to hear the Holy Spirit talk to me in a way he's never spoken to me before, fast. He started showing me word pictures, flashes of things, symbols throughout the world, all different types of things, things I, I don't need to tell you now, but he started showing me all these things as he began to talk to me about my life. And then he grabbed a hold of me and he said to me, he said, son, I want to show you my perfect love. I want to teach you what it means to love perfectly. I said, I want to know that love perfectly, Lord. He said, but you don't know my perfect love. 
I said, how do I not know your perfect love, Lord? He said, because of the fear and the terror that's in your life right now. And then he would take his hand off and I would go back. Then I would like snap out of it. And I would go back into this thinking in my mind about all those. Other, and I'd start to tremble. And then he would take over and then I'd get perfect peace. And every time God would talk to me and speak to me, I would find this incredible perfect peace that would come over me. This incredible perfect love. And, and I'd stop shaking. And I'd be like, ah. And then for a minute he'd take it off and I'd, I'd start to go back down this other way. And the Lord had showed me about two trees on the inside, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And that this tree related to the flesh that I've been teaching on, related to the carnal nature that I have been teaching you on for the past several weeks, learning to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Why is he saying walk in the spirit and not in the flesh? Why is he saying there's no condemnation for those that are in, that are in me who walk in the spirit and not in the flesh? Why is he saying if you walk in the flesh, you will die, but if you walk in the spirit, you'll live? And I've always taught on this, but seen it more as an external and understanding that my flesh from a sin standpoint has to be shut down, which I've shut down. But what about in my thought processes and what about in my own hiding? What about in my own shame? What about in my own pride? What about in my own selfishness? And in that moment, I was eating from the wrong tree. But when I would eat from the tree of life on the inside and I begin to focus my attention with the help of the Holy Spirit, by the way. This is not behavior modification meditation. This is only with the Holy Spirit leading me and walking me hand in hand on the journey I was walked through. You can't make this. You can't try to make it happen. But what you can do is set your gaze upon him instead of upon the lies. This is a personal experience. After all these years, after all my teachings... God began to grip me and teach me another level of understanding. Okay? And God said, you don't know my perfect love. I said, Lord, I want to know your love perfectly. And he said, you don't know my perfect love because you have selfish ambition in your life. Now, you have to understand, I just taught, have been teaching you about selfish ambition. And the Lord says, you only scratch the surface on what selfish ambition really means. You don't really know what that means. Now, let me show you. And I said, Lord, I want to know your perfect love. Where, what are, show me what areas do I have selfish ambition in. And the Lord said, you have selfish ambition in every area of your life. And I said, Lord, I don't understand. And I began to weep. How do I have selfish ambition in every area of my life? And God, the Lord began to take me in a vision. He began to show me myself throughout my days. He began to show me myself in third person. And I would walk through life seeing me from a, I could see myself in, my, in all these situations throughout my days, starting with my wife. How selfish I have been in my love towards her. How, how 
focused on me and my needs and all kinds of things. And I don't have to go through those things with you, but God began to first deal with me with my wife. And then he began to show me, he'd said, let's talk about this person. And then he would say, let's talk about this person. And now when I look at you or when I look at you or when I look at you and when I look at you two and you, I say to myself, how have I not loved you perfectly? And God began to show me all the depth and the layers of what, how much love is really available because you think you know love. But God said, you have no idea the depth of my love because the depth of my love for you is what drove me to the cross. He said, now let me show you why I went to the cross for you. And for them. And he literally put me inside himself, and I walked through his days. And I began to see the woman with the issue of blood pressing through the people to touch the hem of his garment. I began to see the blind man sitting by the side of the road that couldn't see but knew the presence of love was there so that he would cry out, Son of David, have mercy. I began to see the centurion who said, Lord, you have the answer. You don't even need to go. Just send your word, and he'll be healed. And his son was healed in an instant from miles, hundreds of miles away, or however far it was. God began to show me that the things you think you know are the things that I thought I knew. I really don't know the depth. And it was layers and layers and layers of deeper love than I've ever known or ever experienced before. And I wept and I cried. And God took me through all these relationships. And he's still doing it. It's not stopping. It's constant full of love, full of life, and he would correct me, and he would discipline me, and it would hurt, but it was also joyous because God was cutting things out of me that weren't supposed to be there that I didn't even know was there because it was all rooted in selfish ambition. It was all about me. All my, these, I'm, he's taking me back 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and he's showing me how those relationships, all of them have been about me. Or could have been so much better in love had I loved them better. And all these broken relationships and people that I'm mad at because they left me that I love so much that aren't in my life anymore that I'm subtly holding a grudge against. Because they don't call me anymore and they were my closest friends. God showed me how terribly I have loved them. And that I'm harboring judgment against them in my own heart. I'm texting people now. Saying, telling them how much I love them and the people that don't call me or didn't, that I used to love and telling them how selfish I've been and I'm so sorry. And I don't, this isn't victim mentality and I'm not being too hard on myself. This is the ultimate self-deprecation because it's brokenness and it's because of something that God has revealed to me. That must be revealed to you, but the only way I know to show it to you is to live it out loud and then to love you perfectly. Because if I will love you perfectly, I can show you what God's doing in me, and maybe, hopefully, I can become the Lord for you in the areas that you need it the most. I began to weep for the people that are dying. You have to understand the world is in sheer terror because they don't know perfect love. People are dying because they do not know what you know. All the while, while we sit back in our comforts of our nice Christian lives, making it all about us and what we're going to get and what we're going to have while they're dying in the hospitals and people are hurt and broken around us because we're so self-consumed with ourselves and our things and our stuff and our money and all the things that all the while people are hurting and broken and I'm selfish, me, your pastor, and you say, well, pastor, you've, you've loved me. I know I've given you the best that I knew to have, but I can give more. 
I can die more. I can love you better. We can love better. We can love like Jesus. The cross, the purpose of the cross wasn't just redemption. It was the demonstration of perfect love for you. That he would give it all with you in mind. Your crazy foolish self. My crazy foolish self. That Jesus could love me to the point that he would die for me. Oh, I thought I, I, thought I knew it. Oh, I have preached it a lot. But little have I really known. So God began to lead me on a journey, and it's a journey that's not stopping. It's, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what, exactly what I'm supposed to do. I can't help. I don't, I don't have a plan. It doesn't matter if I did anyway. Who cares? All you have to do is become love. All you have to do is love like Jesus loved, and God does the rest. And I'm going to tell you what I think you should do here in a minute. It's, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. Amber and I are at dinner last night, and we're having, I'm, I'm, I feel so more engaged. We've had the best conversations we've had in years. We, God is doing something in the both of us together through this. It's not just happening to me, it's happening to her too. It's happening really to anybody that's desperate and hungry and desperately wants to know the Lord. God in his love and kindness is doing this to me, and it hurts. When God's, God's dealing with me and reprimanding me and correcting me and showing me the error of my own ways, and it hurts, but in the midst of it, it's beautiful because God loves me enough to have come to get me, and God loves you enough to come and get you and to not leave you the same. God doesn't want you to stay the same anymore. It's God's love coming to rescue you. And sometimes it hurts, but that's what a good father does. Do you understand? If we don't get disciplined in love by the Father, it's like tormenting death and complete joy like I've never known all at the same time. I mean, really, it's like, it's like I'm dying, but I'm happy about it. Because you know why? Because when you die, you become perfect love. In the death is perfect love, like being born again. See, so you know being, what really being born again is about? Being born again is a new start, and it's making you a baby again. So now that your heavenly father raises you, your heavenly father now shows you what love looks like because you never really got it the right. Because even in our love for Cadence and Zion, man, we love them, but trust me, we fall short. We can't even love the way the Father loves. We're going to try. We're going to give it our all. We're going to give it our best, but we'll still fall short. But the Father never falls short. And so when you get born again, you, the Bible describes the process of being born again as a baby. You become a baby in Christ. And then you start on a new journey. 
it's a journey that you never had when you were a child. So you recognize and realize, I was robbed as a child. I wasn't nourished. I wasn't loved with perfect love the way that the Father loves. That's why the Lord says, unless you be converted and become like a child. Now I understand that scripture that I've taught a thousand times on, and I didn't really know. It's this understanding of being converted to, back to childlikeness. Because God began to show me you lost your childlike faith. That what delighted him wasn't the excellence of speech or the greatness of who I am. And I've known that, but I know it more now. What really moved his heart was this childlikeness that I had when I got born again. It's called the joy of my salvation. That's some, and all you young people and recently born again people never lose that wide-eyed wonder extravagance of God. And if you ever think you're losing it, get around Melody. Because she has not lost it, and she never got robbed of it. She got robbed in the natural, though. And now, I mean, every scripture comes alive when this happens to you. You need an encounter with love. I'm telling you, we need encounters with love. I'm, you, it will ch- changes everything. I've had many encounters with love, but not to the level of this degree. Because there's so much more. You see, what good is it if you lay hands on the sick and you prophesy and you cast out demons and you have the great name and you bust it all up and you do all these things, but you have not love? What good is it if you can talk the tongues of angels and you give everything that you have away to the poor? Or if I start a church and I forsake, or, or it costs me everything, but I have not love, it still fades away. And I have love, but, and I know some of you are like, man, you're being so hard on myself. I need to be hard on myself. Way harder. And it's not a victim thing, and it's not, it's not false humility. It's real authentic brokenness of realizing just how selfish I am. Because when you can get a revelation of your own selfishness, when you can get a revelation of even when you think you're doing things right, I'm not talking about running to sin. I'm just talking about trying to be right. That's not the Lord. We all want to be right. But I want to be righteous. And so when you get born again, what happens? You start a new journey. You become a child again. Now you mature, but you never lose childlikeness. Oh, I have matured. God's rescued me out of a lot of things. God set me free from a lot of things. Man, do I know a lot of Bible. Like, I know a lot of Bible. But what good is that if I lose my childlikeness, and I lose my perfect love, and I lose the joy of my salvation. None of it matters. This doesn't matter. Church doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Why? What do we do it for then? To protect something that we have or that I started? or not, we, we wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for the Lord anyway. It's, a, it's God's delight because he loves you and you did nothing to deserve it. Not one thing. 
Can you fathom how great that love is when you have been so foolish in your ways? God began to show me myself, and I said, Lord, I, I could see myself in third person, and I looked like such a fool to myself. And I said, God, I am such a fool. I am such a fool. He said, yes, you are a fool. But I turned fools into gold. He says, I use fools just like you. He says, and all those people that you don't like and all those people that you're second-guessing and talking bad about in your heart, oh, you may not type it. You may not say it. But inwardly, you're full of selfish ambition and you're a fool because it's all about you. But guess what? God loves you as much now as he ever has. And God uses people. Here's the scripture that I never really understood to this degree. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. How about this one? I use the weak things of this world to confound the wise. You know who the weak things of this world are? You and me. And he says, those people with all their shortcomings and inadequacies that you are not loving well, that you have ought against inside your heart because they didn't do what you thought they should do and they hurt you. And they, he said, when you see through the eyes of perfect love, you'll now understand what you didn't really know when I hung on the cross and you've talked about it all the time. Forgive them for they know not what they do because now you know. They could not see perfect love as it hung on the cross for them. So what did they do? They pulled the hair out, stuck thorns in, their he- in his head, cut aside and mocked him. But, but when the heavens ripped open and the earthquake happened and the veils ripped in two, there was one guy staring that went, <gasps> it was the one that cut his side open, the centurion, saw perfect love in that moment. I want to see what, what did they see you and I don't see? What did the woman with the issue of blood see that we didn't see? What did the centurion see that we did not see? What did the lame man who was sitting at the side of the pool of Bethesda waiting for the angels to stir the water, and when the water stirred, everybody else jumped in to get healing while he sat there and nobody would help him. And then when Jesus came along, He asked this incredible question of the Lord. Well, actually, the Lord asked him a question first. What do you want from me? And you know what he said? He said, if you are willing. And you know what the Lord said? I am willing. The Lord is willing. But even in the question was perfect love. Which brought what? Supernatural healing. He didn't even have to go in the pool. He got healed in a second. Pick up your mat and walk. What if God was doing things more than you ever thought or knew 
and the lies of the world and what's happening around you is a smokescreen and a guise, and God is actually doing something way bigger than we ever thought, but you just, it just doesn't look like we thought it was going to look like. What if God was using the corona to kill our coronas? And that's not a nice cliche statement, though I think it's kind of cool. Do you understand? Crown, he laid down his crown and took a different crown. He took off the crown of kingship. He stepped down into earth to show us what real suffering in life and ultimately perfect love looks like. And he did what you and I could never do. And he went all the way, no matter how hard it was, because he loved you. He had fire in his eyes for you. He would give all to rescue you despite you. And he would hang on that cross. And while the worst of the worst was happening, he would say, Father, forgive them. They are absolutely clueless. They have no idea how much I actually really love them and that I'm actually doing this for them because they could never rescue themselves. I have to rescue them because they're stuck. Now, you need to understand there's people all in our city and all over the world that are stuck. They're stuck right now. Your neighbor is stuck. Your family member's stuck. But you got to get unstuck. You got to get unstuck. And the only thing that's going to unstick you is perfect love. Because when you realize how selfish you've been and how much you have to die like Jesus did, see, now taking up your cross means a whole other thing to me. Because before it's like, oh, deny myself, take up my cross, bear the hardships, and don't run to sin anymore, and stop letting my flesh dictate. Yeah, those are some truths. But what if there was a greater truth? What if the greater truth was that I'm going to learn to love like Jesus did and I'm going to walk up my own Via del Rosso the way that he did? What if I'm going to bear that thing in love because I know if I die like he did, it's going to set people free. It will set my marriage free. It will set me free. It'll set my wife free. It'll set my children free. It'll set our church free. It'll set your coworkers free. Because you become something. And when you become something, you show something. Listen to this statement. When you become something, you show something. What if it wasn't about your callings and your ministries and your giftings and what you're going to do, what God wants you to do? What if none of that mattered anymore? What if you got out of that headspace of the lies of feeling like you have to do more and fulfill something? It's a, it's a tumultuous road. It's a tormenting road because it leads to constant feelings of inadequacies and shortcomings and I'm not good enough and God's not ma- pleased with me and he's mad at me. and <clears throat> It's religion at its finest, really. What if God just wanted you to become? What if God just wanted you to become love? Like, really, because that's the fulfillment of all things on earth. You know, 
You know how people are going to see God? By how you love. And the best thing you can do is self-deprecate yourself and say, I have been a real donkey. No, I'm telling you. God is taking me back. I'm having to repent to Brad McClendon like all day long. He's like, yeah, I've been being patient with you this whole time. God told me I was going to long suffer. I didn't know it was going to be you. (laughs) No, I mean, seriously. I've been a jerk. I've been so selfish. And I don't need to be nice. I don't, it's not a victim thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I don't know how to do it. And I don't have to live in fear of how I'm going to do it. I just have to get the re- realization and let him lead me and have the understanding and just love. I don't know. I, I don't even really know. All I know is it's got to start somewhere. One of the things God showed me is all these areas in my life that have bad fruit and all these selfish ambitions. Then I saw a tree and I saw a a chainsaw, not a nice little clippers. I saw, and trees getting thrown into a big bonfire, burning up. God said, these are those areas in your life that you have selfish ambition and you're not born again in. I was like, huh? Wait a minute, I'm born again. He says, yes, I have rescued you. Yes, I have saved you. Yes, you are born again. But you have branches in your life that you're not born again. I said, I don't understand. He said, he said the areas that you've lost childlike faith are the areas that you don't have perfect love, and those are the areas that are producing bad fruit. Those are the areas that you've been a real donkey in. I should have titled this message, I'm a donkey. But I didn't. I titled it Becoming Love. And God said, these are the areas of your life where you're living for yourself. And these are the areas of life that you don't have perfect love in. And these are the areas of life that you lost your childlike wonder that I so delight in. He said, you need to be born again in that area. Why? Catch it. When you're born again, you become a child and you have perfect love. Like, let me give you an example. I told this last service. We were at the beach last week. Now, when we go to the beach, my, I have a six- and seven-year-old. All they want to do is go out to the deep. Now, I don't really particularly want to go to the deep anymore like I used to when I was younger. I'm like, let's just relax in this nice seven-inch water that I can sit in and enjoy the surroundings. And, but see, they can't go to the deep by themselves. And, and they always want to go to the deep. I mean, pounding waves, pound me over, over. I don't care how bad it is. I mean, now, if it was nice and calm out there, I'm like, all right, yeah, let's go for a nice leisurely swim. No. If we go to the beach, it doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter if there's riptides or hurricanes. And they're six and seven. They want to go to the deep. And so I'm like, all right, come on, let's, let's go to the deep. So we start walking. And when they get to about their shoulders which is really only like, I mean, they're this tall, okay? When they get to their, shoulder, their shoulders, they grab onto me like little lobsters. No, I, no, I mean like bear, little bear. I mean, and then I'm, I'm pounded with waves with a little bitty monkey on my back, right? I mean, like, 
munchkins. I'm dragging. And it's not just one, it's two. And then if we take our other little friends that have little kids and I go out to the deep, I'm dragging kids. They're on my shoulders. They're on my back. And I'm walking out. And they're clinging on to me because there's crabs under their feet too. And when you get to the deep, there's a lot of uncertainty. And there's sharks too. And in that moment, those children have perfect love because they have no fear and they trust me that no matter what lurks in the deep, no matter what is happening around you in your life, in your world, you become like a child and you cling to your father because you know he loves you. And you know he cares for you. And you know he'll protect you. Instead of living in fear that he might not. Oh, you better believe I'm grabbing onto those little kids. I'm dragging them, pounding by ways. I'm just dragging them. They're laughing and they're gigging. And I'm like miserable. <laughs> when I shouldn't be. Because it's been, even that has been about me. I care, but God uses these things and he's showing me areas of my life. Listen, young adults, teenagers, those that have recently been born again, never lose the joy of your salvation and your wonder and your trust like a child. And if you have been born again and you've been through hardships and hurts and pains and pastors that let you down and all kinds of religious junk and garbage and all, and all kinds of stuff and you've lost the wonder of your love and lost the wonder of a child and you don't have perfect love where there's absence of complete fear and self-preservation, which came from the wrong tree day one, they recognized they were naked, uncovered, alone, full of fear and full of shame. They saw they were naked, and what? They were ashamed. That is the world. That's the world's TV show, Naked and Afraid. Really? Or Naked and Ashamed? But not in the kingdom. It's naked and covered by perfect love. And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you anymore. And it doesn't matter where you went. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how, pe- how people react. All you need to do is be love and say what he says. Because if you say what he says, it doesn't matter what you say. I just need to learn that. I need to learn it better. Because how many things have I said that are of me and not of God? How many things do I teach that are nice, noble ideas that are right, but not really spirit-led in righteousness? Oh, probably a lot more, but thank God for his mercy and grace. And thank God you haven't given up on me. And you keep coming back when I hurt you, when I didn't love you, when I didn't cover you ultimately the way that I should have. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. Check it out. And knows God. Here's the born again thing that I just told you. 
when you're born of God, the clear, determination, the clear representation is how you love. But you can't love until you're born again. Everything else is lust or it's selfish ambition. It's not real authentic love because you can only really how to know, know how to love when it's God's love inside of you and you be, get born again. When I'm born of God, how I love is the identifier and the love that I become is the love of a child. Now watch, watch what happens in verse 8. He who does not love... He who does not love, you don't even know God. Why? I'm going to confess to you right now publicly and to the whole world, there are many areas of my life that I do not know God in. How do I know that? By everything I just told you. Because I don't know how, I don't, I'm not walking in perfect love. Anything that's selfish ambition is not perfect in love. It's just that simple. And if there's a presence of fear, torment, worry, self-preservation, protection, selfish ambition, me, my future, my careers, my money, my stuff, my things, my business, if it's about me and it produces any level of fear or it has selfish ambition in it, it's the opposite of perfect love and I don't know God. The best, one of the best things you can do is to say, I don't really know God the way I should and I want to. That's a great prayer. Stop, it's not a shame. This isn't beating you up. This is, this is the ultimate of love to get you to realize your own depravity and then say, Lord, I'm desperate for this kind of love and I don't want those branches. Take the chainsaw to my branches. Take the chainsaw to my branches. If it's not of you, I don't want it. Everything I built on a false foundation that's not on the rock that's wood, hay, and stubble. Can you imagine how many things we've built in our life that's wood, hay, and stubble? It's going to burn up in the fire anyway. And we protect those things. We protect our stuff. This church isn't mine. It doesn't matter what happens Wednesday. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. Whatever Jesus says, that's what we do. Period. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says, what the government says. We do what Jesus says. He's the high priest. He's our head. He's our best friend. He's our lover. He's the lion. He's the comforter. He's the one that consoles. He's the one that encourages and strengthens. He's the one that shows us how to love perfectly. Because when you love perfectly, it casts out all fear. And then we actually become him to the people around us. And then we might start to see healing. Because if you do anything without the foundation of this, then you're doing it with your own selfish ambition. Even prophecy, healing, and casting out demons and signs and wonders. Oh, I could lay hands on you. You get healed. And I still did it out of selfish ambition. And then Jesus says, I still don't even know you. Good job. You used my name. I loved them enough despite you, and they got healed. But you, I don't know you.
I don't really know this, what the scripture fully means. I've taught it so many times. Now I'm pouring my guts out for you in hope and prayer that you will be listening to the Lord right now for your own self. My story is only designed to be an example of maybe what God wants to do in you because God just so happened to put us together. God just so happened one day at a luncheon when I'm talking and Nathan's talking, my friend Nathan Woodard from New York Joe's Pizza, he and I just so happened to meet one day and I share some of my story and God does a divine connection. And he says, he says can I meet with you and talk with you? And I knew it was God. Thank God, because I, I easily could have missed it because of my busy agenda. And I went to the shop, and we sat and talked for an hour. Two hours. He remembers. I don't even remember. But something happened that day that built a friendship and a lifelong connection because it was God's grace and mercy to him and his family, but it was also God's grace and mercy to me. It's mutual benefit. This isn't about me. This is because God just so happened to love us enough that he put us together. God just so happened to love us enough that he connected us, that he connected me with Oscar and Olivia. God so, just so happened to love me enough that he connected me with Stacy and Lee the day that I, pretty much the day I came to town, and that they didn't leave me in all my jacked upness for 13 years when they could have. I'm telling you, like, oh my God. I have so missed it. I have so missed it. We have missed it. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry, God. We have been so selfish. We've been so selfish, Lord. <sighs> I've been such a hypocrite. No, I'm not lying and steeding, stealing and cheating. No, I really am desperate for God. No, I don't intentionally live different at home but I live selfish perfect love gives everything away I just don't know how neither do you but God wants to show us That's how much he loves you. That he doesn't give up on you. Do you understand? He did not give up on you. He's not ever going to. He said, I'll never, ever leave you or forsake you. And all the while, we hold judgments and ought and angst against somebody because they jacked it up and they lied and they didn't do what we thought they should do and what the Bible says they should do. And every time we told them they should do something, they did the opposite. So then we got mad at them. 
And then we disengaged from them. And then in our hearts, we held angst against them. It's everywhere in my life. But I had no idea. I really, I did not know. I really did not know. If Jesus had not invaded my life last Monday night, I, did, I, would, have, I would continue on in my folly. This is awesome. Woo! I'm, I'm a changed man. I am a cha- You have to, you do, I'm telling you. Ask my wife. And there's no fear that, oh, it's going to fade away. No, no. Trouble's going to come. But when I've been touched by perfect love, I don't have any fear. Because now I understand a scripture that I never understood before. Let me show it to you. Let's go back. I'm going to show you scripture I had no idea. And then I'm going to pray for you. He He who does not love does not even know God. For God is love. In this, you're going to watch this. You're going to love this. In this, the love of God was manifested towards you. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live how? How should we live? And if we live through him, we, we, God's love is constantly demonstrated towards you. Which means you're overwhelmed constantly like I am. Why wouldn't you be overwhelmed with love all the time? Why wouldn't you be bombarded all the time? Your busy schedules, your agendas, our stuff, none of that matters in the context of God's perfect love. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So here's love. It's not based on how you love God. Oh, I need to love. See, that's the deceptive lie. I need to love God more. So I'm going to make sure I go to church, make sure I read my Bible. I'm going to do all my duties while I still never actually know him. Because if I do that, then I'm going to please him and I'm going to measure up for him. God, God kills that right here by saying, here's real love. It's not that you loved God. So get out of that trap. You're never going to love God enough. I want to love him more. That's not what I'm saying. I want to. But the religious lie is that I'm, never, I'm not good enough and I'm a failure and I, I, I need to work up my love to show God. No. Look what the scripture says. And this is love not that we love God, but that he loved us first and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Meaning, he bought you, rescued you, delivers you, and guess what? He didn't just do it then. He does it every day. How about every minute of every day? How about if all the time God's showing you how to love better and you look at every relationship your mom, your dad that you don't like or that you have issue with because they treated you like garbage. Those people, those in-laws, those family members that you don't like. All those people that you have hate in your heart toward. God actually calls it hate in your heart, by the way. He says, those are the people you need to learn to love better because in that you're going to find me. And in that you're going to reveal me to them. I'll show you how. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for his beloved. 
If God so loved us, which he does, what should we be doing? This isn't just nice little, oh, I love you. No, this is I love you. What can I do for you? What will it, and asking God, Lord, what will this cost me? And asking God, do I need to give all here now? Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But the desire's there. So now, instead of me being inconvenienced by the homeless guy or the beggar or the person that's desperate or catches me before service or in between or after or when you go to work and you got something you got to do, now instead of being inconvenienced, you're asking the Lord through eyes of love, Lord, how can I love this person better? And he says, focus on this other thing right now. Don't get sidetracked. Because I'm sitting at the park the other day with my kids, and up walks Douglas Kelly, who I really love, who's a son to this house. I want you to pray for him. He's going through a lot of things, and I care about him. And he goes, I just sat down with my kids. It's hot. Kids are going to go play. And he's like, Pastor, oh, my gosh. The Lord told me to come here. And the Lord says, I set this up. Ask him to sit down. This is a few days ago. So he sits down, and God just begins to download perfect love for me for this guy and then up walks walks another homeless lady and she's got her you know her jiggy walk going on and she's like got her chips on her shoulder and her attitudes and dropping f-bombs and you know thinking we're like because he's douglas has tattoos all over his arms so she's like oh yeah you know these are these are the guys and and i'm like okay lord and she sits down at the table and like I'm having to navigate, God, what do you want to do in this moment? Because I don't want to miss God. Right? And my kids are playing in the, in the playground. And God says, no, I have set up this time for you and Douglas. Don't be sidetracked. I do, yes, of course I love her. Of course I could have a word for her. And I said, and so I just was nice to her and I talked to Douglas and then she realized pretty quickly. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, you guys are talking. I'm just like, it's okay. And I just kept talking to Douglas. And she sees my bag of tacos there that I had gotten for the kids and for Amos. She's like, uh, you got any food for me to, that I can eat? I'm like, absolutely. Would you like a taco? She's like, yeah, I'd love that. I said, here you go. But, I, but it didn't mean that I didn't love her perfectly. It meant that I'm listening to what the Lord wants to do in the moment. All right? Just using that as a quick example. If you, God loved us, we ought to also love one another. I'm going to conclude with this one word here I want to show you. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. What does that mean? Yes, there's people that have seen Jesus. People have had encounters with the Father. People have seen angels. But the fullness of who God is, no one has seen at any time. Make sure you realize. Here's another way to say it. The world is not seeing God at all. Watch this. I'm going to show you how, how you can see God. And I'm going to show you how the, we, how the world sees God. Not, no one has seen God at any time. Watch this. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him. So how do you know that you abide in, in God? You know by how you love one another. So God is saying, 
that there, I can love so much better in every area of my life because I don't really know him. And then he said, here's where perfect love resides. And then he says, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And it just goes on. I mean, it just goes, there's so much in there. And so how will the world see God that they're not seeing? You literally become God to people. You're not God, but you're a son of God. Ta-da! And all the while, they're waiting for some big thing to happen, and God's saying, I'm going to send you. And all the while, God's saying, I'm in how well you do relationships. And all the while, God's saying, in how well you love one another, I abide in you. Because it pulls people out of shame and because I love you for who you are no matter what in the world's happening in your life. No matter what you do to me. No matter what you steal from me. No matter what you take from me. We love the way Jesus loves. And in turn, people see God. So let's show people the Lord. Let's become the Lord by how well we love. Close your eyes, please. Jesus, I just pray for this church. I pray for every marriage, every single person. Lord, everybody that watches and peers in from the outside. As the world watches, Lord, may they see you in how well we love. Lord, we haven't really known you because we haven't really known how to love like you. You are the ultimate of love. And what you did on the cross was the ultimate display of love. And now, Lord, may we take up our own cross. Let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you how much you've loved me. That you sent Jesus. You gave what you loved the most away. Your only begotten Son. You so loved me. That you gave your one and only. Lord, I want to know what that means. I've not even fathomed what that love means. Lord, show me how to love like you loved when you gave your life for me. Abide in me, Lord. When people see me, May they see you. I'm looking to you, Jesus, with an unveiled face, beholding you as in a mirror. And may what I see and what the people see is a reflection of you. Lord, I'm sorry for the selfish ambitions in my life. Lord, show me every area of my life that I've walked in selfish ambition and that I haven't walked in love. Perfect love. Show me my relationships, Lord. Show me my friendships, God. Now listen.
Oh, he's going to show you. And just take it all in. There's no shame. He's showing you because he loves you, because you're a son or a daughter. Listen, close your eyes and listen. Lord, show me every area of my life. Pray it with me. Lord, show me every area of my life that I have selfish ambition. Where it's been about me. Take me through my relationships, God. With my parents, my spouse, my coworkers, Those friends that hurt me. That I didn't know how to love. Have mercy on me, Lord. And thank you that you love me so much that you never, ever gave, gave up or give up on me. Make me the embodiment of love. I want to become love. So I can see your healing power in my life and the lives of those around me. Show me areas I've walked in shame or protected myself. Just keep listening to the Lord right now. His presence is here. Just let the Lord deal with you. He's a good father.